G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Realfaith.org.au well, in my final year at high school, the headmaster came and pulled me out of the class and said, Graham, what are you doing next year? And I said, well, I'm going back to the farm. My parents want me back on the farm. And so that was the plan. And then I said, well, I'd really like to go to university. <laughs> it almost brings tears to my eyes because uh, it was just so great that this guy cared. He said, well, I can get accommodation for you for $10 a week, Graham, if you want to go to uni. And then I've got a scholarship. Welcome to Real Faith, conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through, helping us today and giving us hope for tomorrow. That's real people, real life and real faith with Eric Scadabo. Graham McLennan comes from humble beginnings in farm country in New South Wales and has gone on to travel all over the world pulling people's teeth out. So it's a good thing he's a dentist as he's been involved in medical ministry in several countries. But that is just the tip of the iceberg. He's also been involved in Christian radio, Christian schooling, and even has dabbled in politics for a while in the 1980s. Just a few of the things that he's been involved in. So we have a lot to cover. Welcome to the program, Graham McLennan. Thank you, Eric. Glad to have you with us, and you're coming to us from your home, your historic home in Orange, New South Wales. Is that right? Yeah, it's built in 1878. 1878, yeah. and it has those high 12-foot ceilings. As you know, my wife and I and our children had a chance to stay at your home at one point. Yeah, you did. It's a Gothic revival home, double brick, and a beautiful old home. Yes, and the thing that I remember the most about it is that it has those 12-foot ceilings and you have books all the way up to the top in your library. That's there. right. I'm, I'm here looking at them right now. But the interesting thing about the home is that we felt we should use it for teen challenge work as a drop-in centre in the 70s. And so that is kind of the heritage. You've used that house for ministry. And yeah. as I mentioned, I stayed at that house and we were on our way to a Christian conference and you were kind enough to use your gift of hospitality to let us stay there, but that's just part of the tradition of what you've been using that house for for all these years since the 70s. That's right, correct, yeah. So we'll talk about your house a little bit later as that becomes part of the story, but now let's go back to your childhood. You come from humble beginnings in farm country. Tell us about what it was like growing up there. Well, we lived in a little village and uh, Dad worked in a petrol station that he had and carted wheat and was a share farmer and that's because he had four brothers that returned from the war and uh, there was not enough uh, farmland and so he uh, had a, lived in a little village called Yamundry near near Dubbo, between Dubbo and Gilgandra actually and uh, so um, we uh, grew up there and I went to a school of, of about, oh, about 40 children in uh, about seven classes, and uh, I actually uh, topped the class of five or six children, you see. And then oh, went top to of the class. My word. And then when <laughs> I went to the primary school in Dubbo, uh, I came about last out of 35 children. Actually, I came 33rd from memory, because I wasn't taught anything at Yumundry Public School. And uh, <laughs> I came in top of the class. We used to go to the school in bare feet and so on. 
Yeah, did it? You have to uh, look out for snakes and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, all the time. Yeah, we uh, dad killed twenty eight snakes in one day. It's on the front page of the Sydney Morning Herald actually. And wow. uh, so my older sister used to take Condius crystals and a tourniquet when when we went to school. So they were just in case. Yeah, I've tried them on snakes and done lots of things. I can tell you snake stories for for a while, but but anyway, when I went into town to the school there, I came as I said nearly last, and, um, and that was in the half yearly exam. And then in the uh, yearly exam, I came in the top four or five. So they thought, what you know, they've jumped, I've jumped almost thirty places. What's that going on here? Yeah, <laughs> so what, what happened? Well, what, well, by the time I got in the sixth class, they thought I, I might have had some potential. So um, I got a scholarship then to Hurlston Agricultural High School, which is a very highly selective school. Its well, sister school in Sydney is the top school in, in Australia, actually. Mm-hmm. So you had to go off to boarding school because you won that prestigious yeah. scholarship? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. so that's what got me on the road to being out of the little bubble that I would have grown up in, I suppose, being mm-hmm. a farm kid. I was supposed to go on the farm and... Uh, that's why I went to Hurlston because I was the grandchild that was going to be inherit the or look after the property, and I used to spend most of my holidays. I wasn't used to um, going on holidays. Actually, I used to go out and work on the farm, do do a lot of ploughing. That plough, was your holiday. Yeah, ploughed thousands of acres on an old um, Ben's tractor. Okay, so tell us about your time in boarding school. How did that go? Uh, I, I understand well, there was a little bullying going on. Oh yeah. Well, I was bullied a lot, and then I did it myself, actually, in my second year there, but I was terribly homesick. But mm-hmm. after a while, um, you know, you've got to have some great mates, and I didn't have problems with, in those years, in the late 50s, we didn't have problems with pornography or drugs, and we didn't know who these strange foreign people were called females, and so, <laughs> uh, until we got home, and uh, yeah, so... It was an all-boys school? Yeah, it was all-boys school. Oh, okay. And how'd you do in school? Well, I did well. I, I remember topping, uh, coming second in history, modern history, and probably why I was interested in history, even though I was, I did poorly sometimes in the humanities. But I really, you see, this is interesting because I really did well in the subjects where I, li- I liked the teacher. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, if I liked the teacher, I did well, and if, if I didn't, I wasn't really interested. So, I couldn't handle novels. So. In actual fact, I've got a whole wall full of novels, but I've only managed to read one chapter of one of them. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, yes, yeah, so uh, literature really wasn't a, a um, high priority for me, but anything that is factual. And, and we all got honours in agriculture. I was a bit agricultural, really. I, I was thinking about the land and what we'd do and improve the property. And it was 3,000 acres. It's just a living area, really, with sheep and wheat and some cattle and, and probably 5,000 snakes. Okay, and then after high school finished, what was next in your life? Well, in my final year at high school, the headmaster came and pulled me out of class and said, Graham, what are you doing next year? And I said, well, I'm going back to the farm. My parents want me back on the farm because it's their means of getting back onto the property because he loved the land, Dad. And, uh, and so that was the plan. And then I upset everybody by saying to the headmaster, I said, well, I'd really like to go to university. And so he said... <laughs> it almost brings tears to my eyes because uh, it was just so great that this guy cared. Mm. And uh, <laughs> it is interesting because he said, well, I can get accommodation for you for $10 a week, Graham, if you want to go to uni. And, and then I got a, kind of a scholarship. 
a lot of bright kids got scholarships in those mm. days. So here I was off to university. My, my, the reason why I chose, I nearly chose medicine, but before medicine I, cho- I was thinking about being a vet because the guys from Hurlston did every the agricultural vet. Uh, hardly anyone had done uh, dentistry. It was just that my sister um, had worked before she went to teacher's college. To um, She worked for a dentist and uh, so I thought, well, these dentists, they, they're wealthy people, you know, they've got their farms as well as their profession. So I thought, oh, I figured out I should do something like medicine or vet or dentistry. And so I ended up thinking dentistry was the easiest because one vet said to me when I went out with him one day, he said, well, at least I can tell you, a human, what's wrong with them. You know, an animal can't. So I thought, <laughs> oh, that's good advice. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, I, I, I love the people. I, I uh, did dentistry for 50 years, half yeah. a century, and yeah. uh, 48 years as a dentist, but a couple of years before then, treating people. But um, it's, it's the relationships you build on trust with people is great. So you went off to school for dentistry at university. Yeah, yeah. yeah. None of the family had gone off and done anything like that. So, yeah, you were the first in your family, so that was yeah. unprecedented. Yeah, they're all farmers. Yeah. And coming back from the war, you know, with um, it affected them, and they went through the depression, and that knocked them around. And uh, you know, we didn't have electricity or anything in those days. Yeah. You know, um, so was it so, an all boys school as well? Well, the thing was that we are sixty-five in the year, and only two of them are females. Oh, okay. So yeah, so not was, officially. Well, yeah, like engineering is the same. There's some um, faculties where there were mainly boys blokes and um but in arts and so on they're probably the 80 percent were probably female so mm. uh, so how did you find university well i found it great it's a good time of being sort of set free and doing what you chose to do and that's where i discovered females um and i <laughs> took and, and in my second year i decided they were so great that i took out a different one to about 10 different balls uh, <laughs> that year i don't know where i got the money from but um, I'd become. I, I actually then became a Christian in my third year at university, and a fellow who was a uh, Christian had had failed his year, the easiest year in dentistry, the third year, and and I went into third year, and he led me to the Lord, and uh, through that he he uh, uh, introduced me to my future wife, Pammy, who uh, we met, and she was at uh, WEC Worldwide Evangelization mm-hmm. Crusade. She was there working and she'd been a nurse and uh, she was involved in uh, doing things. So I, I discovered we, we were living almost right next to each other. She was Royal Prince Alfred Hospital doing nursing there and I was in Newtown. So we uh, sort of got befriended one another. In actual fact, we met, um, you know, at work and then we decided to evangelise with the Anglican Church in Newtown. Um, door knocking so we went around door knocking and that's where we started to have an interest in one another and uh, as I crossed the road she lagged behind and I was worried about it and I held her hand and oh yeah that's when it started that's when it started our guest today is Dr. Graham McLennan from Orange in New South Wales who is sharing his life journey as we're hearing at this point in his story he has just met his future wife Pam Next, we'll hear from Pam and get her side of the story. All that and more is coming up when we return right here on Real Faith. Looking for resources to grow your faith? Check out Vision Christian Store with books, movies, audio CDs, DVD resources and more. Plus, free delivery on orders over $50. See visionstore.org.au. You're listening to Real Faith. 
Conversations with real people about how God works in their lives. If you want to know more about integrating faith into your life, our website is realfaith.org.au. Just go to the website and you'll find helpful articles about the impact faith can have on your life. Once again, that's realfaith.org.au. Welcome back. I'm Eric Scadabo, and today our guest is retired dentist Dr. Graham McLennan from Orange in New South Wales. Before the break, we ended with Graham sharing how he met his future wife, Pam. Now we've invited Pam to join us to share her side of their story. Well, we met out at, um, at a monthly meeting at, at um, the WEC, Worldwide Evangelization Crusade, and um, I'd always been geared to missions. I as a child, I um, heard a missionary speak who was a nurse, and she appealed for people to um, to do things that um, similar to what she was doing. And uh, so that's how I ended up going to these monthly youth meetings at, at WEC um, with a couple of other nurses. Anyway, I was talking to um, this guy, telling him what a great Bible study I was going to at uh, the local Anglican church in Newtown. Actually, the, the guy who led, had led Graham to the Lord a short time before said, um, oh, I'll have to introduce you to Graham. He lives near you. So um, Graham started uh, coming to this Bible study and then the rector uh, encouraged us to go door to door to um, talk to people about coming to another um, group he was running. So that was really how we got to know each other. And he reached out his hand. Yeah, he reached out his hand when we were crossing the road. And that's how it all started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What happened next in your relationship? Oh, well, we were just going around together. We both had a similar calling, I think, to missions. Mm-hmm. And um, I was um, praying on the roof of the nurse's home one night, and I felt the Lord say that we'd be married um, within a year. Oh, wow. And I wrote the date of my diary and didn't think much more about it. But um, later in that year, we had an interview with the South American Mission Society, and they, um, after interviewing us, they said, oh, we want you to come back two years after you get married. Well, we were only just engaged. Graham was going into the army about um, six weeks later or something. Yeah, yeah. So, that wasn't um, going to work. No, that wasn't going to work. And my mother was getting really frantic about how on earth we could book a um, venue or anything to do with a wedding. So anyway, Graham had taken off on a Youth with a Mission crusade in Fiji and he saw a young couple get married over there, and he said, well, why don't you come over and get married? And uh, <laughs> Just like that? Just like that. <laughs> and, uh, and anyway, it wouldn't have even been possible, um, except I did actually turn 21, I think, um, three days before I got married over there. And, uh, but also, I didn't need my parents' permission at that stage over there. But um, I had to have the matron's permission because... Um, I hadn't quite finished the four years uh, training in nursing. So, um, yeah, so that was interesting. I had to go and go and talk to the matron about whether I could get married. <laughs> the matron of your school? Matron of the nursing, yeah, the hospital, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Um, during our four years training, we were not to get married, and that only changed probably, uh, there are a few people. Oh, so that me. was the rule at that time? Yeah, yeah, that's the way it was. Oh, wow. Yeah, droves of nurses left because they wanted to get married. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. so a long story short, you end up in Fiji to get married. 
Yes, yeah, that's right. I mean, how long was it after he suggested this that you actually flew over there? Oh, a few days. Oh, wow. Just like that? <laughs> I think. Yeah, just a yeah, few days. Yeah, just a few days. Had, had a honeymoon for two. And, and uh, we had a honeymoon for, what was it, two or three days? I yeah, don't know. about two days. <laughs> flew back to Sydney, graduated and went into the Army. Had a honeymoon uh, for... Uh, about a week at the most, and uh, had the rest of my honeymoon with 400 blokes <laughs> at Pakapanyal, <laughs> and then officer training. You, you are such a romanticist, Graham. <laughs> yeah. So, and we didn't we didn't meet up again for six weeks. I think it was. I went down yeah. to Melbourne. Sorry, once once in three months. Was that it? Three wow, months. Wow, what a way to start a marriage. Once in three months. Mm. Yeah. And how long have you been married now? Um, 53 years. Oh, so so it worked. It worked out. Yes. Yes, I think it worked out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. She's wonderful. What happened after that, Pam? Um, well, it turned out that the day I got married, it was actually within that um, one year from when the Lord had told me I'd, I'd get married within a year. Oh, wow. So that was really quite amazing. Now, let me ask you, Pam. So you were raised a Christian, a strong Christian, even wanting to go into missions. And here yes. you met Graham, who had just become a Christian. Yes. How did you feel about this kind of baby in the Lord? Oh, I think um, I just felt I admired him because he had a similar calling. Um, he was keen on, on missions too. And um, I wouldn't have sort of gone out with someone who didn't have a similar calling. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the fact yeah. that you guys met going door to door, asking people to go to a study, I mean, that's yeah. pretty devout right there. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that yeah. tells you about the intensity of his, his faith. Yes, yeah, and it's it's probably um, the guy who had led him to the Lord ended up as a missionary. And then your early married life, when you finally did get together, what happened? Um, well, that was an amazing story, too, because I went on to do midwifery. So we thought we still wouldn't be together because Graham was posted over the place, um, Singleton and various other places. But uh, eventually he ended up... Um, swapping with this guy at Walga, and so that worked out that um, we were together. And I understand that early in your marriage, uh, both of you went through a heartbreak with um, the death of one of your children. Can you please yes. share with us about that? Um, yeah, well, that, that was very difficult. Um, I was had a twin pregnancy, and uh, I actually guessed it was a twin pregnancy before the obstetrician did, I think. <laughs> Because the Lord um, said He'd give us a double blessing, and uh, oh wow! So that, I think that's what made it sort of hard when Kathy died, um, and it was actually right when Graham finished in the army that um, she died at, at three months, mm. and um, it was cot death. And yeah, that was it was very difficult, very difficult thing to go through, and we were pretty shattered. And the Lord just ended up leading us to to Orange, and that was when you know a year later. Um, the sale and you know we thought we should look for a new a big large house and and this it went through um a year later right on the exact day on the uh anniversary when she died and then when she was buried the money actually came through so you know that was just i guess it was just the lord telling us you know out of death life comes forth yeah to have a baby for three months and then die of your referring to it as cot death but now it's known as sudden infant death syndrome yes yeah so that yeah that was a painful painful experience yeah yeah but as you're mentioning god kind of 
helped yep. you in another way, blessed you in another way to help you heal from yes. that. Yes, not, not the way we're expecting. That's yeah, yeah. Uh, we just arrived in Orange to do a locum after our child died. We were just devastated because of uh, that death. Um, it was really, well, really horrific for us. So mm-hmm. when we came to Orange to do a locum, we felt we should stay here. And uh, that house, actually, uh, we paid uh, $17,000 for it and the two blocks of land at the back. And um, it's an interesting story because we were going to be turfed out because we had all these people here evangelizing the city with the the vans in the spare blocks and uh, a fellow came along and said uh, oh, how are things going he said well we're going to be evicted tomorrow wow. and, he, and he said that uh, oh well I've got some money just inherited and so we put him up for a year or two and uh, while he finished his schooling and uh, and so he paid for the deposit and uh, it was interesting because it was the, the exact hour uh, to the funeral of our child that we, uh, died so we paid $17,000 for it and uh, we sold the two blocks of land for for six or seven thousand, so we ended up paying just six thousand dollars for the house. So, oh my that, if that wasn't God, and and the, and the sign to us was that uh, it was a year exactly to the very hour that our child Kathy died. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so the two of you went through that horrendous experience. Yeah, a John twelve twenty four experience, which uh, when Jesus said, "Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone," but mm. if it if it dies, it bears a lot of fruit, and it's uh, it's um, in the Old Testament. Uh, you know, the, the emphasis was on prosperity and flourishing and so on. In the New Testament, I think uh, it's on suffering, mm-hmm. and uh, people don't want to know about that. But it's through suffering that we have character and discipline and mm-hmm. and so on and uh, strength and so on. Yeah. And so you bought the historic house that you're sitting in right now. Yeah, yeah, right and, now. But you didn't just use it for yourself. You use that for ministry. Yeah. Well, we were having uh, charismatic meetings here, and mm-hmm. had, uh, we had a lot of young people come, and, but uh, we felt we should go overseas. Matter of fact, the Lord spoke to us saying that, um, you know, we couldn't learn uh, what we that God was going to show us if we stayed there at home. So we we went and studied under Dr. Francis Schaefer, but we we did also study before we studied under Schaefer. We studied uh, with Teen Challenge because uh, in uh, the United States. Yeah, in, in both in Orange County and in Brooklyn. Teen Challenge is a famous drug rehabilitation yeah, program that yeah. went most to the Most successful roughest, in the world. Yeah, mm. most successful in the world. So you wanted to be a part of that? Is that the idea, to train? Well, what happened when we when were in Sydney after Pam and I got to know each other, we uh, and others, um, we went to the cross, and we are just working in the cross with drug addicts, and they either became Christians or died from overdoses. We prayed mm. for a lot of people there, and we went around, and uh, we got interested in what Teen Challenge was doing, so that when I came out to Orange, uh, Tony Jubri, who was leading uh, Teen Challenge at the time, came and said, well, would you like to have it as a drop-in centre? And I said, yes. And so he said, we'll get you to be trained over in, a, in the United States. So that's why I went to New York. So you train for being a part of this drug rehabilitation program. But yeah, I understand yeah. that when you came back to Australia to start the program, it didn't work out. Well, we, we had to have the support of the ch- churches. And... Uh, so we had a, a luncheon with the Ministers Association, quite about a dozen of them, and heads of the churches, and uh, we shouted them for a meal and we discussed what we planned to do, Tony Duby and myself, and uh, they were not interested. They said there's no drug problem. I think they really, uh, were really protecting their own turf. So after uh, all that, then it, it didn't come about? 
No, but we got in, that's why we got involved in other things through Francis Schaeffer, you know, that we needed to be salt and light in places of education. That's why we got involved in commencing a Christian school and so on. For people who don't know, Francis Schaeffer is one of the most famous Christian authors in modern evangelical Christianity, and he started a community in, was it Switzerland, to yeah, uh, train people in how to integrate our Christian faith into all aspects uh, of life? Is that kind of a good summary? Right. Yeah, in, yeah, into our society, yeah. So uh, it really affected our lives. So that's why we came, when we came back, we got involved in a number of areas with education and with government, uh, with media, and helped commit the Christian radio here. And uh, we uh, founded stations in, in areas such as Geelong, Newcastle, mm-hmm. Canberra, here in Orange, Port Macquarie, and so on. And then also you helped start the Christian radio station in Vanuatu. How did that come about? Yes, well, well, it is romantic. That's what oh, romantic, some more romance. Okay, let's yeah, hear this. And the same happened in, in Nepal where we started there. Actually, yeah, more with my romance. Is. Yeah, another romance. Actually, what <laughs> happened was that my son had gone to Vanuatu with uh, a parliamentarian's uh, son and uh, to uh, build a Christian school, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so he went over there and... Uh, met this lovely airline hostess with uh, Air Vanuatu, Melanesian young lady, and uh, cut the long story short, they married and uh, asked for advice about whether they should live here or back in Vanuatu, and I said, I think it's Rita, our daughter-in-law, that needed support more than Michael, so uh, Michael decided to live over there, and uh, because they're very um, community-minded, lovely Family, they almost mm-hmm. have a birthday every weekend and rock the of lollies <laughs> <laughs> because because she's got so many cousins from Pango Village and Port Vila. But they they got a lovely little place there, and uh, so he he's Michael's got uh, involved in distributing the Bible. But we did set up the first Christian radio there. In mm-hmm. actual fact, it had the had the most um, listenership there for some years, sixty percent. Um, simply because there were only two or three stations operating mm-hmm. and uh, the government one only operated during the day. So we operated 24-7 and so that's why. But, you know, you, some of the restaurants and you hear them, uh, the radio with, you know, my, you know, my Redeemer lives and all this have just brought tears to my eyes. Oh, some fantastic. Of the where, yeah, and the supermarket was playing it and it still plays it on a Sunday. And so it, it was really uh, helped renew um, people's lives there. That was retired dentist Graham McLennan sharing his story, and it's hard to grasp how one man could be involved in so many ministries over the years. And we haven't even mentioned all of them, we've just scratched the surface. Finally, we heard Graham briefly mention that he helped start Christian radio stations in Nepal and Vanuatu, and that there were romances connected to each of them. Well, next time we're going to hear how Graham's son Michael met and married his wife Rita in Vanuatu. And then the time after that, we're going to hear from Tabitha Pandy, who met her husband while on a missions trip to Nepal. So we have some romantic stories for you coming up right here on Real Faith. Until next time, I'm Eric Skadabo saying so long and God bless. You've been listening to Real Faith. And if you have any questions or comments, you can send us a message through our website, realfaith.org.au. That's realfaith.org.au. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.